Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Before we finish chapter 12 today, uh, I just want to give you guys just a brief recap, the big picture all over again, just so you can see kind of where we've been and that'll help us as we finish this series. And we entitled the series Exiled, This is the Way, just because throughout history, God's people have always lived in exile because we're not of this world. Now, this is not our world, though we might have dual citizenship, uh, uh, you, some of you might have triples. So you guys might be a citizen of the United States and another country and heaven, but we are not of this world. And throughout biblical history and history, Christians have never been the majority, but have always been the minority moving in the power of Christ, which is why sometimes I think God has to shake the West up a little bit because we've been, us, us Christians in the West, I think we've been overprivileged a little bit. Um, and we're in a unique time in history, but God is doing a shaking. And uh, I am thankful for the book of Daniel and books like that that prepare us in this process. Now, if you've been walking through the chapters with us since we've started, you'll remember that in chapter one, uh, uh, Babylon siege surrounded Jerusalem and ultimately took sections of uh, Jews into Babylonian captivity. And Daniel was among the very first exiles exiled to Babylon. Now, if you remember, he was a teenager, somewhere maybe around 14 years old when he was exiled in Babylon. But chapter one showed us that although Daniel was a teenager in Babylon, he resolved to remain faithful to the word of God. And so we put this little quote together. Daniel was living in Babylon, but he wasn't looking like Babylon. And then as the text uh, continued, chapters two through seven, Daniel finds himself in a very unique position. He finds himself uh, in a position to interpret God-given visions and dreams to the pagan kings of Babylon. And they are disrupted in their minds. They don't know what in the world this vision, these dreams mean. And God reveals the interpretation to Daniel. And Daniel finds himself standing before Babylonian kings, declaring the vision, the word of the Lord to these kings. And what was God saying to these foreign kingdoms? Y'all remember? He was saying this, that God, I am sovereign over human empires, that God is in control. Are you ready? And though these human empires may enjoy seasons of power, God's hidden sovereignty determines the rise and fall of kings, kingdoms, presidents, prime ministers. And I said this before, you may like the guy in the office. You may hate the guy in the office. It doesn't matter who is in the office. God is in control. Guess what? God has put them there. And so as Christians, we never panic because God is sovereign. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't engage politically. 
But it does mean that we should know God is in control. Kings, kingdoms, empires, presidents, and prime ministers. God sets them there and God takes them away. Amen? No, I know I just said this, but here, I want you guys to get this. This will be really important. Human kingdoms come and human kingdoms go. But here's the message that God gave to these kings. But God's kingdom lasts forever. Human kingdoms come, human kingdoms go. But God's kingdom lasts forever. So as Christians and believers, we must always see ourselves as exiles, as aliens in a foreign land. You're an illegal immigrant, whether you like it or not. We are occupying a foreign land. We do not belong here. We belong to heaven, but we are ambassadors of the kingdom. And we'll bring heaven to earth. And one day we'll rejoice in Christ's eternal reign. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting a little excited. So I have to calm down just a little bit. Finally, in chapters 8 through 12, there's a shift, if you remember. So remember chapter 1, Daniel is exiled as a teenager. And he resolves to remain faithful to the word, even though he's living in Babylon. And then in chapters uh, two through seven, if you remember, like I just said, he's interpreting uh, dreams and visions to these pagan kings. And then in chapters eight through 12, there's a shift. There are two shifts that take place. Number one, there's a shift in language. So if you're reading the original text, chapter one was written in Hebrew. And that is the native tongue of Daniel's people, the Jews, the Israelites. And then something happens in the mid-chapter 2 to the mid-chapter 7. The language shifts from Hebrew to Aramaic. And Aramaic was the language of Babylon, but it was the lingua franca of the time. Kind of like English is around the world. Aramaic was the lingua franca. But here's the shift. It goes from Hebrew to Aramaic and then back to Hebrew, the last Several chapters. God is telling us something in the text, but that's not the only thing that shifts. What else shifts is the person, the recipient of the dreams and the visions. In chapters two through seven, who was receiving the visions and the dreams? The pagan kings were, and Daniel was coming in and giving an interpretation. But then in chapters eight through 12, Daniel is receiving the dreams and the visions. And someone's coming in to interpret for him. And it's angelic messengers from heaven that are giving him the word of God. Y'all with me? So these final shifts, the word of God is telling us something, speaking to us. And you know what the final shifts are telling us is that God is no longer speaking to the world, but now he is addressing his people. He's addressing his people. So what does God have to say to his people? What does he have to say to Israel and those who will be his in the future to come? Are you ready? What does God have to say? Here it is. In this world, at the hands of sinful men and unjust societies, in this world, at the hands of sinful men and clashing empires, are you guys ready? God's people will suffer. God's people will suffer. 
Not only will God's people suffer, but what will they suffer? God's people will suffer injustices. God's people will suffer persecutions. God's people will suffer hostilities. But in the end, God has called you what? While you suffer these things to remain faithful and to endure till the end. Why? Because the kingdom of God will outlast them all. And so you have been called to determine what kingdom will you serve. As beautiful as this world is, as enticing and seductive as it is, it will not last. In this world, at the hands of sinful men and clashing empires, God's people will suffer injustices, persecutions, hostilities, but remain faithful. Endure till the end. Sometimes I think American and westernized Christianity, we have been spoiled to the core. You know, this is probably this only sliver of history that we've lived in. It's probably been the only time in history that God's people have ever lived in a place and enjoyed the luxuries. In fact, God's kingdom always thrives when it's the minority. God's kingdom always thrives, not when it's in power, but when powers are coming against the kingdom of God. Sometimes I think we've drunk too much power as Christians, and I think God has to shake things up a little bit. This is not the norm throughout redemptive history. In fact, God's people probably do their greatest damage when they are being oppressed. Now, I love where we're at and I'm thankful, but I hope you understand that throughout the scriptures, what you're experiencing in this time here, especially in the United States, as Christians, this is not normal for the kingdom of God and his people. Which should tell you something. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he was with his disciples the night before he was going to be crucified in John 16, 32 through 33. And I'm wondering if you remember what he says, but he said this, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. He's telling his disciples that you're going to be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Hmm. Yet, I love this. And Jesus says, I am not alone for the father is with me. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. And here it is. I want you to see this in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world in this world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world world. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. We love you. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. I thank you that your word is true. Lord, a lot of times as man, we're tempted to preach a easy gospel. We're tempted to preach a life is good Christianity. And we're tempted to even fall into that, especially in America, all the blessings and luxuries that we have enjoyed. But you have brought a gospel of crucifixion, 
of the flesh and a gospel of persecution against the saints and a gospel that will go through many trials and tribulations, but we can hold on and know that you have overcome the world. And because we are yours and you have overcome, in the power of your spirit, we will overcome too. I pray that this word wouldn't come back void. I pray that you would translate it in every heart and mind in this room for it to be exactly what they need at this time. Open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Lord. We love you. We magnify your name. Amen. I've entitled the message today, and I think it's a fitting title since we are finishing the book of Daniel. I'm really going to miss Daniel. He's like my old friend. But I've entitled this message in the book of Daniel, and I think it's fitting, Endure Until the End, This is the Way. Endure till the end. This is the way. Now, if you remember, as we were landing the plane, chapters 10, 11, and 12 are the final three chapters of Daniel, and they're all one unit. They're all saying the same thing. There's a vision that is coming to Daniel. And if you remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, if not, you can go back and check out on the podcast. Uh, chapter 10 introduced us to Daniel's vision, his final vision before the book ends. And if you remember, chapter 10 didn't even talk about the vision because what happened was as the angel messenger from God was bringing the message to Daniel, he experienced an invisible conflict, demonic resistance. The angelic messenger had to go and fight battle with a demonic territorial spirit. It's pretty weird, pretty deep. Check it out if you'd like. But ultimately, with the aid of the help of Michael, this angel breaks through and brings Daniel this all-important message. Chapter 11 explains the contents of this message. Man, what could be that important that there was warfare over the word in the invisible realm? Chapter 11 explains the contents of that vision, which includes, are you ready? Prophetic predictions of God given to Daniel. And these predictions were about visible kingdoms clashing. Now, if you read chapter 11, if you go back last week, I feel like last week was like more of a history lesson than it was a sermon. I just had to get through that. But you can look and see how history has confirmed God's prophecy to be true. What was future for Daniel is actually ancient history for us. In fact, it was so accurate that people don't even believe there's no way Daniel could have wrote that. Finally, in chapter 12, we'll finish this vision. Now, what's really fascinating, if you remember last week, there was history, but then there was the last couple of verses that were actually talking about a prophetic future, the end times. And so chapter 12, we'll finish that end times portion. We'll sum up the entire vision that sums up human history. I know this is lofty. Pray for me. I'm going to do my best to make this simple for you and not get so caught up. But again, chapter 12, we'll finish the story. We'll sum up human history with one final kind of worldwide event before Christ reigns forever with his people on this earth. Now, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what else. I did my best. 
Daniel chapter 12. Again, I know there's not a lot of light here, but if you want to go there, let's go there. You can pick up your phone. I trust me. I won't think you're on Facebook. We'll just kind of have that. What's, I forget what's that called. I'll trust you. You trust me. Uh, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, and we're going to read verses one through 13. We'll also hear, have them here for you on the screens. Daniel chapter 12, verse one through 13. Are y'all ready? Can I get amen from the 11 amers today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it reads like this at that time. I got to tell you that time is referring to the final verses of chapter 11, the end times at that time shall arise. Michael, Hmm, interesting stuff already. The great prince who has charge of your people. I love it, mama. You're just eating it up. Come on. I like that. I'm ready. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Wow. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Praise God. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3. And those who are wise, amen, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness, come on, evangelistic people, those who are missional, those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the end of time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. Now, if you remember way back in chapter 10, this vision is taking place on the Tigris River. Verse 6, and someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Don't we all like, give us the time. Come on, tell us when it's all going to happen. Let us know how long shall it be till the end of these wonders. Verse 7, and I heard the man clothed the linen who was above the waters in the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. <laughs> All right, that's great. Thank you. (laughs) Leave it to the Lord to be a little ambiguous there. Although there is some interpretation here that makes sense, but we won't go too deep right now. A time. I knew you were going to say that, Gerald. I love you to death, man. A time, times, and half a time. Now watch this. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. Amen? I'm so glad Daniel didn't understand. It gives me a little grace to not understand myself. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way. (laughs) Tell me more. Go your way. 
Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the end of time. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise, you see that wise word keep coming up, will understand. And from the time that the burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, and we know we talked about a previous abomination of desolation with Antiochus Epiphanes two weeks ago, so there seems to be another one coming. There shall be, here we go, yeah, we got some numbers now, we understand this, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So you finally give us some numbers, you still confuse us, God, what is going on? Verse 13, but go your way till the end. And I have to pause because I love Daniel so much. Him and I have been walking together for the last several weeks. We've been, I've been wrestling through his text, trying to figure things out. But this is it. This is the last few words that was spoken to Daniel, and then we won't see him anymore. Listen to what the angel tells him. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Hmm. What a word for Daniel to receive, huh? You shall rest and you're going to stand at your allotted place at the end of the days. We're all going to see Daniel one day. We're like, yo, we studied your scriptures. What in the world was this? Philip got it wrong. Can't wait to tell him. Is he here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> good, good. You guys are awake. Praise the Lord. All right. Good, good, good. Good. Heavy, 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 as some people would say. As I told you before, if you remember the final nine verses of chapter 11 and the first four verses of chapter 12 take place in what the angel would call the end of time, something that we have yet to experience, kind of the final days of human history as God brings it all to a close, and then a new history starts with Christ as king in person, in the flesh. Now, these events are eschatological in nature, which just is a fancy way of saying last things, the study of the last things, right? Um, now, here's an important note. There are things that Daniel doesn't understand. <laughs> Isn't that a good note? That a good note to have? Does it make us just a little bit more humbler as we approach the text and theologians who claim to know it all? Look, Daniel, there are some things he'll ask clarifying questions. The angel's like, yo, get out of here. It's not for you. There are some things Daniel didn't even understand. And so it should cause us to put on a humble approach to the text, never to be too certain or sure about our eschatology. Now you can land in a particular position or place. I'm just saying land humbly because Daniel doesn't understand. They even asked Jesus, <laughs> and he didn't have a day or a time. That was his humanity. Remember, he was truly God and truly man. So even as Daniel asked for clarifying questions, the angel says, go your way. <laughs> Leave it alone. The words are sealed up, shut up, put away, and not for you. Now, many of you know, if you've been at Inspire for a while, we're a non-denominational church. And for better or worse, that means we don't have to, when you're under a denomination, you know, you have to kind of agree with 
their theology, including their eschatology. Now, again, there are close-handed issues we agree with. For instance, Christ is God. <laughs> right? There are some elements that we hold true, but we are non-denominational, so we can kind of honor eschatology in certain matters. We can kind of share both sides. If you've been at Inspire for a while, you know we kind of share different, but we never really share where we're at as a church. Or some of you are like, Phil, where are you at? Right? And I, I typically, like, like I'm a politician, I just kind of you know, stay right in the middle of the line, and people never really know. In fact, Roger and I, uh, during the summer last year, uh, we did Theology and Coffee online, amen? And uh, we went through the end time. And we talked about covenant theology at the end times, a certain kind of eschatology. We also talked about dispensationalism. Some of you are like, what is that? Some of you are like, yes, I know what that is. I'm just saying, we do this. We give you different looks, different views. And typically people want to know from me. And I told the line, but today I've decided to, just because it's Daniel and we're at the end here, I just want to share you, with you where I stand. Some people, when it comes to the rapture, God, Jesus coming back, some people are pre, right? That means uh, pre-tribulation, means there's going to be this troubling time. We're going to talk about that, a time of tribulation. Some people believe Jesus is going to come back and take his church, and the church won't go through the tribulation, and the tribulation will be specifically for God's people here, Daniel's people, the Jews, to call out to Jesus as their Messiah, now, others believe that the church is actually going to go through the tribulation along with the Jews and that there's going to be this time and what we're going to talk about, the church is going to go through it. And then the rapture will happen at the very end, lift everybody up and bring everybody down with Jesus. Are you with me? So there, we would call that, you know, pre-trib. Rapture is happening before the tribulation, post-trib. Y'all with me? There's millennialism, right? It's a thousand-year reign of Christ. Some people are millennial. Some are post-millennial, pre-millennial. So I thought, again, it would be important for me just to be very clear where I stand. I am a pan-millennial. It's just all going to pan out in the end. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Amen. That was, the, you know what? I imagine it being a little bit funnier and, and it just, the, even the first one they laugh, but I'm a Pamela. Let me just say this. If you don't know where you stand, it's okay. I don't know where I stand. And I just know that God is sovereign. God is in control. God is moving history towards his ends, for his glory. And then at the end of the day, whether I go through the tribulation or I don't, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to all pan out in the end. And so you may not even know the terms. You may not even study eschatology. Some of you may. God bless you. I appreciate people. But you may not know. But I'm going to tell you, it's okay. Honey, it's okay. You just, you're pan-millennial, okay? It's all going to pan out. I am pro and pan. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm pro-sov and pan-mill, okay? For God's sovereignty. All right, I'm, I'm milking this one. I'm moving on. <laughs> so now that I gave you the longest introduction ever, I want to lay out how I want to approach the text. If you're taking notes, or if you're not, and you just like to be in control and want to know where we're going. <laughs> Number one, a time of trouble. Number two, a time of deliverance. Let me say that again. Number one, a time of trouble. Everyone say, oh. And <laughs> number two, but a time of deliverance. And I'm going to finish with a time for wisdom. A time for wisdom. Amen? Amen? Now, if you recall when I read the text, 
the opening verses of chapter 12, the angelic messenger describes a scene that he calls a time of trouble. Now, believe it or not, Moses foresaw this time. In fact, he called it a time of distress way back in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30. Jeremiah prophesied this time, and he called it a time of Jacob's trouble, referring to Israel. He prophesied that in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. And good old the Apostle John, who had a revelation on the island of Patmos, who wrote what? The book of Revelation. He called this what many of you might know as the Great Tribulation in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. In fact, you can read Revelation 6 through 19, knock yourself out. You may have some weird dreams afterwards. But you can read through the characteristics of the tribulation. Now, I'm going to just kind of tell you a few. There will be global wars. There will be global uh, uh, famines. Global food shortages. I'm going to do it, guys. And there's going to be a global toilet paper shortage. That's not in there. I just throw that in there. It's funny to me. I, I, you know, and some of you have been here the first time, so he's telling that joke again. Um, there will be global wars, global famines, and global pandemics that, although this pandemic has been definitely rough, that will really make this pandemic look fairly simple. In fact, in certain parts of Revelation, we're told that even one-third of the sea will be destroyed. And all of the marine inside, the animals inside of the, inside of the ocean will be destroyed along with it. I wonder what that'll do. One-third of the fresh water will be polluted. Stars will fall out of the skies. There will be periods of total darkness in periods of scorching heat. I don't know where you stand on all these political issues, you know, global warming, all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna tell you what, Revelation tells us there will be periods of darkness, periods of scorching heat. If you live in the Bay Area at 70 degrees and you're like, oh, it's hot out here. <laughs> there will be a releasing of hell's demons on the earth. In some way, they're restrained. Now, they do, obviously, we see from the Gospels and uh, the demonic is very much here, but in some ways there's some kind of restraining, but there'll be kind of an outright releasing. And in addition to all of this, as if this wasn't already crazy, there will be God's people, God, excuse me, God will allow his people to experience an incredible time of suffering. Hmm. I mean, right there, I wonder what that does to some of our theology. God will allow his people to experience an incredible time of suffering and persecution at the hands of the Antichrist, which if you were here last week, we talked about a character by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who was just the preview to the movie of the Antichrist himself. Somebody demonically inspired will raise up and will torment, torture God's people. This is why the angel, I don't know if you caught this in Daniel in this chapter, 
he describes this like a time the world has never seen. Like we think, you know, well, certain, you know, we think we're being persecuted, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, y'all been there. Now, there are some places in this world that are experiencing heavy persecution. Don't get me wrong. We experience persecution, but, you know, we, you know, we got to wear a mask in church and we're ready. That's persecution. I'm going to tell you what, you, we have no idea, no idea, no idea. Everyone wants to be a martyr until it's time to be a martyr. We have no idea. And some of our brothers and sisters in this world have that idea. Sometimes we can be so insensitive as Christians in the West, right? right? We're very out of touch. We've been very pampered. Now, regarding these last days, even Jesus had something to say about it. In Matthew 24, 22, if you remember, he says, in those days, I'm sorry, if those days had not been cut short, Jesus says, no human being would have been saved. Everyone would have, the whole planet would have died. If those days had not been cut short, we're talking about times, time, times, and so it's a short period of time. What ultimately has been translated as that seven years, six, six and a half, seven. He says, listen to this, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Hmm. So he's, so he's allowing people to suffer. He's allowing his people to experience tremendous persecution at the hand of the Antichrist, which, by the way, we've always lived in Antichrist systems. The people of God have always experienced trial and tribulation. Y'all with me? But even all that, he says, but for the elect, I will restrain it for a time. At the end of the day, there will be a time in which I shut it down. It will not last. Y'all with me? Now, here's the million-dollar question. God, what on earth literally are you doing in this time? What is God doing? I mean, God, are you there? Are you even in this moment of history? Because it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't feel like it. God, do you even see what's happening? God, are you still in control? Your people are suffering. Remember this. Write this down. What's happening? I'm going to give you the purpose of that season. Are you ready? Here, here it is. God is judging the wicked through calamity. And God is purifying his people through persecution. God is judging the wicked through calamity and purifying his people through persecution. Come on, persecution. Are you ready? In troubling times, prove your faith. Persecution in troubling times, no matter when it happens, whether it's in the great tribulation or right now, guess what? It proves your faith. Suffering tests whether you mean what you sing. Suffering determines if Sunday morning is just a karaoke or if you really mean what you sing. You see, when I'm suffering, when I'm going through trial and tribulation, is God still good? Or were you only saying that? Is Jesus really Lord? Or were you only singing that? Is Christ truly worthy? Or were you saying that? Did we really place our trust, our hope, and our faith in him? Or were we just saying that? Suffering proves 
our faith. And if I could just flip it and say it maybe a little bit more positively, are you ready? Persecution, troubling times, suffering, even this battle with sin in our flesh always gives us an opportunity to prove to Jesus he's worthy. Come on. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you're suffering right now. Maybe you don't understand why things aren't working out for you right now. It's God, where are you? I can't feel you. I can't see you. Maybe you're tempted in sin. You're battling with your flesh and you're trying to crucify it. Here is the good news. Every time you enter into that trial, that temptation, guess what? It's another opportunity for you to declare, God, you're good. Christ, you're worthy. It's the gospel that'll bring you through it. What a beautiful opportunity to tell Jesus he is king by sacrificing your sin nature. Amen. Troubling times provide genuine opportunities. Genuine opportunities for you to prove your love and devotion to Jesus. God wants a people who will love him when loving him doesn't benefit you. Men? This is why persecution and troubling times exposes fraud. Doesn't it? Amen? I mean, there's something about the threat of losing your life that will reveal the real. There's something about the threat, right, of loss that will reveal the real. There's something about consequence and cost that will truly determine if he is real to you in your life. Hmm. My, my, my. Man, some of us have a difficult time with no suffering. Christ is worthy. He's better. He's better than this temporary world has to offer you. And I know it looks good, sounds good, feels good, but I'm going to tell you something. In the end, it will fade, collapse. Pastor Richard Koken said this, and I love this. And I love this, especially with Inspire, because I know we got a lot of people working on their bodies, right? Getting right, summer bods, right? All that stuff. I got my iPhone letting me know how, much, how inactive I am every day. I got friends texting me like, bro, did you work your watch today? I'm like, hmm. I, not iPhone. <laughs> my, my watch, my watch, my Apple watch. But Richard Kogan said this, as our bodies need exercise to become stronger. Come on, come on. Some of y'all know that. Yeah, yeah, true, right? I see it on your Instagram. As our bodies need exercise to become stronger, our faith needs troubling times in order to be refined and purified. As your muscle needs resistance to build and grow, our faith needs resistance to grow stronger. Amen? Troubling times and persecution are not indications that the enemy is winning, but that God is working. Troubling times and persecution are not evidences that the enemy is winning, 
but that God is working and proving your faith. And God don't need to know where you stand. He does, but it's good for you to know. (laughs) Everyone's going to stand before Jesus and you will have no excuse on that day. I want you guys to know something. God is forming his people into the image of his son, Christ Jesus. He's shaping you, chiseling you, cutting you, crucifying you, crucifying your flesh so that you would look more and more like his son, Jesus. And he never stops working. (laughs) Some of y'all think he never stops working and y'all's thinking it's about a miracle. God's like, no, I'm actually chiseling you away. Yeah, you're right. I'm not working. The pain is coming. I'm never stop working to make you look like Christ. Why? Because without fire, gold can't be refined. When gold is brought up out of the bowels of the earth, it needs to be purified for it to be worth something. And so you burn it under the fire and the impurities surface at the top so that the goldsmith can pick out the impurities. As the wicked act more wickedly and the world's calamities increase, as the persecutions of God, God's people intensifies and the abomination of desolation is complete. And I must have been talking a lot because we are already over time. Just as God determined times of trouble, he also promised a time of deliverance. Get ready to be up here a little bit longer. David, I love you. We'll pay the late fee. Let's collect another offering. <laughs> Did y'all give today? <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> he also promised a time of deliverance. Amen. He promised a time when Michael will arise, and he promised a time when the dead will arise. I'm going to go quickly through here, really quickly. Michael. There's only two angels in the Bible ever given a name, Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel came to bring the news of Christ's birth. Michael and Jude and Revelation is the archangel of God who's also called the guardian of God's people, Israel. You ever wonder why Israel has lasted so long? This small, insignificant band of people, kings and kingdoms have come, tried to eliminate and destroy it. We've seen it throughout history. It's a supernatural phenomenon because they have been assigned an angel by the name of Michael who won't allow his people to be exterminated or destroyed. Are you with me? I'm moving forward very quickly. Michael will arise, but also, so it seems to imply that the end of time, there's not only going to be Armageddon, this battle, this visible battle, but there's going to be an invisible war between Michael and the angels of heaven and Satan and his demonic hordes of hell. But that's not only who's going to rise, the dead are going to rise. (laughs) Amen. And if this wasn't already an epic scene, All over the world, graves will open up and give up the dead bodies. Did you know nobody in this room will cease to exist? There's no such thing as blissful annihilation when you die. It's not going to be just it. Everyone in here, it's a trip. You're going to live forever. Everyone, you're going to live forever. So the question is not whether I will live or I will die, but whether or not, are you ready? 
your name is written in the book of life. Those whose names are not found in the book will rise, but their eternity will be filled with everlasting shame, regret, disgust, animosity, self-hatred, self-loathing. Can you imagine an eternity dealing with the deepest and darkest? But those whose names, amen, are written in the book will rise to an eternity full of life and glory. No wonder Daniel doesn't understand. You want to know why? How could he? Jesus had not yet come. Jesus had not yet lived. Jesus had not yet died. Jesus had not yet raised. Daniel's getting a revelation about a resurrection, and it's unclear. These things only become more clear to us who are now living. Are you ready? In light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we wish we could have lived with Daniel. Oh, how Daniel wished he could have knew what you knew. We live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And so as we come to the end of this beautiful book, as we were walking with Daniel as a teenager, refusing to compromise. As we were walking with Daniel as an 80-year-old man, confronting kings and kingdoms with God's word. What a beautiful book. I cannot think of a better way to close this book. I can't think of a more glorious way to honor this faithful man named Daniel. But to call you to live your life in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, what are we doing? Day to day, making money, trying to get the house, the American dream, putting all our energy in that. Well, when I get older, that's when I'll get into the scriptures. No, 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 no. If you're not into it now, you want to be into it when, you, when you're, it's later. Daniel from a teen to an octogenarian. can't wait to do our own thing we're like Sunday morning attenders and that's it man you got that hour come on we are called to live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ there will be a time of trouble and I promise I'm finishing team there will be a time of trouble and there will be a time of deliverance but now is the time for wisdom did you hear the text wisdom wisdom those who are wise, those who are wise. In this text, wisdom is not referring to an accumulation of worldly knowledge. Wisdom is not an ability to discern and understand all end time prophecy. But this wisdom can only be found in those who place their hope and faith in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18 and following says, for the word of the cross is folly. In other words, it's stupid. To those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart where is the one who is wise where is the scribe where is the debater of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly, through the foolishness 
of what I preach, what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jew and folly to the Gentile. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, here it is, Christ, the power of God. You see that? And what? The wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God, <laughs> I love it. This is just Paul and the Holy Spirit flexing on him. For the wisdom of God, I'm sorry, for the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men and the weakness of God is stronger. Are you with me? There is coming a time when we will all stand before Christ. And the question isn't, will we be standing there alive? The question is, is your name written in the book? There's coming a time, ready? Some of us will stand in front of Jesus, filthy, filthy, wicked, sin. And some of us will stand before him, pure, refined by fire, spotless. So the question becomes, what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God tells us how we can stand before God spotless and not a mess. So how do we do that? What is the difference between the two? Only those who put their faith and trust in Christ will come before God, not in your own robes, but in Christ's robes. He'll give you his robes of righteousness. How does that happen? How does that happen? I'm going to tell you something. You could have heard the gospel a million times. The gospel saves you and it sanctifies you. We never get beyond the gospel. Chances are if you're struggling or far from God because you're struggling with the gospel, you need to look again. Christ crucified. And on that cross, he took on your sin. You with me? And on that cross, the wrath of God, you were punished in Christ on that cross. And guess what? Not only does he take on your sin, but then he gives to you his perfect record of righteousness so that when you would stand before the Lord, you're not standing in your filthy garments, but you're standing in the robes of righteousness given to you by Christ alone. So what is this wisdom? Number one, you repent. I don't know why that word is so bad. It's not really difficult for me to admit I'm not perfect, that I'm a sinner. My flesh, I'm tempted, I sin. It's not too difficult. It's easy for me to stand before the Lord and say, I am a mess, I'm a wreck. I can't get in with this. You repent. And then what do you do? You believe. You believe that this work of the cross is life, his death, and his resurrection. You put your faith and hope in that reality, that double reality. What do I mean? Your sin on him punished his perfection and righteousness in you saved for eternity. That's the wisdom of God. And I think that's the best way we can end this book of Daniel because the wisdom of God, this is the way. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. We worship you. We magnify your name. We praise you. We give you all honor, all glory. 
Lord, I pray for everyone in this building. Whether we're in the great tribulation or not, whether we're raptured or not, God, we experience great tribulations in our life today. Suffering, our flesh, crucifying it, all opportunities to prove my love to you. And maybe there are a few in here that feel like a little, man, I feel guilty. I haven't. I've failed. Lord, I, I pray that we would resist the condemnation of Satan and, and hear the invitation of Christ that would say, repent and believe the gospel. Come back to the cross. Come back to the cross. And the last thing I pray is that this group, the 11 a.m. group, would live in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That when we leave this building, we wouldn't be so caught up in all of our plans. Oh, we have plans. But God, that our, the primary priority of our lives would be to bring others to you and to live a life that reflects the goodness, and the beauty, and the glory, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us. I pray for Inspire. I pray for churches even around the Bay Area. Raise up more churches that would declare this beautiful gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for hanging in there. Love you guys. Pastor Roger bringing the word next Sunday and then a new sermon series, summer series is coming soon. Anyways, go ahead, Kat. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.